and welcome to the ISBA BursaCast podcast. This episode has been recorded and released for the 18th of January 2024. It is quite a bumper episode today with lots of new developments coming your way. I'm going to do my best to keep it properly relevant to Bursas and their support staff and make sure we're giving you just the information you need. To that end, we're going to be joined mid-episode by Jenny Arrowsmith from Erwin Mitchell to go through some of the employment law updates for 2024, so keep an eye out for that. To start with, possibly the most important bit of information you're going to hear today is that the ISBA's annual conference, Booking, is now open. We are offering an early bird offer at the moment, which gives you 10% off normal booking prices for a limited time only. Booking now will mean you and your teams can take advantage of discounted hotel and day delegate packages to suit your needs and budget. The conference is taking place from Monday the 20th to Wednesday the 22nd of May at the ICC in Wales. The event will feature more than 40 expert speakers focused on helping you make your school fit for business in 2024. If you'd like to hear more details about that, please head to our website where there's lovely new pages all about it there. Now, moving on to the first of the updates for today, there is an update to the Prevent Duty Guidance for Schools. The Home Office has issued statutory Prevent Duty Guidance for specified authorities in England and Wales, which is effective from 31st December 2023 and replaces all previous versions of the guidance. The revised guidance is for staff and governors who should read sections 1, 2, 3, 4 and the sector-specific guidance for education in section 5. There are also updated online training packages for all staff, which contain videos and will take around 20 to 30 minutes to complete. When you do join the course rather helpfully, you are given a reference number, which means you can pause the course for only 72 hours, but at least it lets you pause it and come back to it and saves your progress. And a completion certificate is also available to support CPD and keep school records in date. So... More updates. The DfE has published Working Together to Safeguard Children 2023. I touched on this last week, but I'm going to run you through some of the key chapters. On the 15th of December, the DfE published the updated version of the statutory guidance. The vast majority of these updates focus on strengthening multi-agency working across the whole system of help, support and protection for children and their families and keeping a child-centred approach while bringing a whole family focus. Some of the key chapters to look at are Chapter 1, which focuses on a shared responsibility. Chapter 2, which focuses on a multi-agency safeguarding arrangement. Number 3, providing help, support and protection. Chapter 4, organisational responsibilities. Chapter 5, learning from serious safeguarding incidents. Chapter 6, child death reviews. Now, looking at the actions for schools that should come from this, in light of the WT guidance update, schools should review their current child protection and safeguarding policies, procedures and training arrangements to ensure they are up to date and reflect the changes. Schools may wish to consider seeking guidance and advice from their legal advisors when updating any policies to ensure they accurately reflect the updated guidance. For ISBA members, which I'm hoping you are one of them, The model child protection and safeguarding policy is in the process of being updated and will be available in the ISBA reference library shortly. Moving on to another topic that the government has finally given some guidance on and that is that they have published their draft of the Gender Questioning Children Guidance. The DfE has published this non-statutory draft guidance for schools, including independent schools, on children questioning their gender. The draft 
guidance acknowledges the significant increase in recent years of parents and or pupils making requests to schools to accommodate children questioning their gender. Such requests include requests to change the pupil's name, adapt the uniform, and requests for pupils to use different facilities than those designated to their biological sex. The process is referred to in the draft guidance as a social transition or social transitioning. The DfE's draft guidance is based on a set of five general principles which schools can use to frame their responses to any requests received. Schools and colleges have statutory duties to safeguard and promote the welfare of all children. Schools and colleges should be respectful and tolerant places where bullying is never tolerated. Parents should not be excluded from decisions taken by a school or college relating to requests for a child to socially transition. Schools and colleges have specific legal duties that are framed by a child's biological sex and there is no general duty to allow a child to socially transition. Now the guidance goes into detail around how schools can respond to requests and how they can engage parents in the consideration process as well as how to best handle different information and requests. The overall approach taken is one of caution where decisions should never be taken in haste or without the involvement of parents. On the topic of responding to requests and engaging parents, key topics within this, and I urge you to go take further reading on this, I'm just going to run through the highlights for you. Firstly, they say allow for watchful waiting and make parents aware. On handling different information and requests, the guidance sets out the different types of requests that could be made and a school's legal duties in relation to them, as well as where the school or college may exercise its discretion. It discusses further the registration of name and sex and details around changing names. Within this, pronouns are also discussed, along with single-sex spaces, boarding, uniform, physical education and sport, and single-sex schools. Now, looking at what this might mean for your school, the delay in issuing the draft guidance reflects how complex and sensitive the issue of children who are questioning their gender can be for schools to navigate. The consultation on the draft guidance is seeking views on the content of the guidance and whether it will help to support schools and colleges, teachers and leaders to make considered and lawful decisions in relation to children who are questioning their gender and the wider school and college community. The consultation will run for 12 weeks, closing on the 12th of March 2024. In the meantime, schools should be aware and be prepared to review and update current policies, procedures and training to reflect the guidance when published in final form. The guidance covers areas that remain untested in the courts. It remains to be seen whether any change of government following a general election will result in a change of approach in this highly politicised area. We will continue to provide updates on any significant changes to be aware of once known. In other updates, the ISC has launched its annual census and the deadline for submissions is Wednesday the 31st of January. The ISC will send an email a few days before Census Day to let schools know that census forms are available to submit via the ISC data portal. If you've not received any emails about the census, please email the ISC research team at research at isc.co.uk. And looking into some other areas, the Health and Safety Executive has launched its new Asbestos Your Duty campaign. This new campaign is here to highlight the risk of asbestos in buildings and raise awareness of the legal duty to manage those risks. Key part of this campaign is to make it really clear who the duty holder is and how they can go about making sure that they have got asbestos under control in their buildings. 
there are a whole range of new documents and templates along with an asbestos register and a number of campaign assets that you can share on your channels should you want to find more information around this head to the hse website as mentioned at the beginning of the episode we're now going to hear from jenny arrowsmith from erwin mitchell she's going to run through some of the key top line changes to employment law for 2024 jenny good morning thank you very much for joining us on the bursacast we've managed to snag you before your morning meetings commence <laughs> uh, we're very grateful how are you i'm very well thank you Leah. thank you Marvellous. Um, so we want to talk to you today a little bit about the employment law changes that come for 2024. I'm conscious that there's quite a lot happening, but just on a kind of top level of things to look out for that might be coming forward, what can we look forward to, so to speak? So you gave me about seven minutes to cover loads and loads of changes that are coming through. But most of these changes we were talking about last year. Last year, it was very much about this is coming up. And what we do have now is a bit more clarity and some dates. So I'm going to go through those quite high level almost as a bit of a checklist of things you just need to probe into the detail of um, as relevant to you. So first of all, um, if you are making any redundancies, you need to be aware that there is some um, broadening of some existing protection in place so that where you have staff who are selected for redundancy currently and they are on maternity leave, they have preferential access to alternative roles that may be available. That protection is being extended and quite widely. So it will now cover anybody on um share parental leave, adoption leave, it will cover a period after maternity leave and it will cover pregnancy too. So potentially up to 18 months worth of leave, people might be protected in the event of a redundancy. So you need to be aware of that and factoring that in if you are doing any redundancies from the 6th of April when that new protection comes into force. There are a number of um, related measures to protecting family um, rights and carers leave is another good example of that also coming in on the 6th of April. That will give people the right to one week's unpaid leave to help employees with long-term caring responsibilities balancing their work. Um, It's going to be a day one right and can be taken in single blocks or individual days. Now that's important um, for you to plan in. Obviously, in a, in a way, I think it's going to be helpful because those with dependents can't take holiday when they're, you know, they, they take their holiday during the, uh, the school closure periods. But this will mean that they should be able to book that leave and they're entitled to do so. Um, so you need to be looking at that in planning in how are we going to do that? What policies have we got for people requesting it and such like? Like I say, it's an unpaid leave unless you choose to um, make it paid. Moving on then, um, there is neonatal care um, coming in, but I don't have a date for you on that. So we can talk about the detail of that in due course, but effectively that will be extending um, again the period of leave for individuals who have babies where the baby um, unfortunately has to go into neonatal care in the early days of its life. If we look at um, casual staff, and I know schools have a lot of casual staff from September this year, there's going to be a right to request a more predictable working pattern. So effectively, where you've got staff who are doing quite a lot of cover or you're providing quite a regular flow of work, albeit that they're on a perhaps zero hours um, or bank contract, those individuals will be able to ask for a predictable contract and a bit more certainty in the hours that you're giving them. Again, that's a statutory right. There's a process for looking at that that request and then refusing it, very similar to the flexible working um, regime that we've got at the moment. But if you have a lot of people on casual staff, that's one to look out for um, and make sure that you're planning appropriately in relation to how you deal with those. Moving forward onto a different topic then of workplace harassment. This is something that I've mentioned before as something to watch for this year. So from April, um, from autumn, sorry, of um, this year, there's going to be some additional um, liability 
on employers in the event that they um, find themselves on the wrong side of a harassment claim. The reason it's relevant to bursars is it's um, a liability which will increase the compensation that is payable by up to 25%. Now, if you take into account an injury to feelings award on a, on a harassment claim could easily be 10, 15, 20,000 pounds. If you add 25% on or to that, it, it starts to add up. In fact, injury to feelings could even go up to 50,000 pounds or, th- or thereabouts. So, it's it could it could significantly make a difference. What you need to be doing um, to avoid that liability is putting in place reasonable steps now and going forward to ensure that harassment doesn't take place in the workplace and be able to demonstrate those steps that you have taken. Training is one really good example. There's been a few other changes in relation to the Equality Act extension to the um, definition of disability some other changes in relation to equal pay but i think i think for your part they're not going to hit be, be totally relevant to bursars in terms of their day-to-day work but just to be mindful that there are some other changes happening from the equality Act perspective and we are seeing more and more claims coming through with that angle so um in relation to discrimination be that harassment or one big area that's that's coming up again and again is in relation to this conflict between people's conflict in beliefs and opinions in the workplace. And again, that's leading to claims, which is something that schools don't want to be having to defend and put um, money towards legal costs and or compensation. There's some changes um, to immigration. There's some changes in terms of the checkoff um, for trade union subscriptions. There's been changes to minimum wage. Um, they're increasing from the 1st of April, as they always do, but that's something um, bursars need to be aware of. And then I think finally, the other point just to make um, is in relation to flexible working requests. From the 6th of April, they are now going to be a day one right. So you could have somebody who applies for a job, say they apply on a full-time basis, and then from day one, they apply to go part-time, for example. And you will need to consider that application in the same way you would need to consider flexible working requests now. And there's been a bit of a change in terms of the process for how those requests are dealt with. So... um, you need to be looking at your processes as well in relation to flexible working requests and thinking more broadly about how you can accommodate flexibility in the workplace generally. Wow, a lightning fast rundown. It really was. To thinking about. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for running us through that. Um, obviously, there's more detail to be had with all of those um, topics, but for our, our dear Bursa listeners, we've kept it pretty pretty focused there so Jenny, i tried you my s- best <laughs> and tell you, what, you definitely succeeded that was that was blinding thank right, you great. very much indeed for your time it's always appreciated and we'll catch you again soon um, maybe to go into more detail about some of that. absolutely and you're more than welcome thank you thank you very much jenny for taking us through all of that we're going to carry on now with a few more updates and that is that there has been an amendment to the equality act 2010 at the end of last year the government announced a series of amendments to the equality act The proposed legislation came into effect on the 1st of January 2024. The new regulations seek to ensure that certain EU-derived protections are retained when EU law ceases to have effect due to Brexit. Without these amendments to the Equality Act 2010, certain discrimination provisions would otherwise have ceased on 31st of December. What this means for schools is that schools should continue to comply with existing employment protections and principles Whilst the new legislation is essentially preserving certain protections which would otherwise disappear, schools may wish to take the opportunity to review policies and procedures to ensure compliance. Well, looking forward to some more guidance, there have been a number of changes regarding holiday pay entitlement for part-year and irregular hours workers. 
In places, the guidance contains advice, which is at odds with the prevailing interpretation of the new employment rights regulations. In particular, the guidance says that workers in receipt of annualised salaries are not to be considered part-year workers. The apparent dissonance between the guidance and the policy underpinning the employment rights regulations has been noted and is being commented on more widely in the legal sector. It is possible that this may prompt the government to review and update the guidance. However, this is by no means certain. This will have particular impact on how schools respond to the change. We will keep you updated in future commentaries. And hereby ends the lesson. That's the end of this episode. I'm not going to bombard you with any more information than you need. Now, lastly, I'm going to let you know about some of the upcoming events that are taking place. Obviously, I've already mentioned, and I'm going to mention again, the ISBA annual conference. And to urge you to book now and make the most of this early bird offer that we've got that's going to give you 10% off the overall fee. So please do take a look at that. Looking at the more immediate future, we have some in-person events taking place. And this is the ISBA Smaller Schools update. This is taking place on Thursday the 15th of February at Twyford School. ISBA members who are smaller schools with 200 or fewer pupils are invited to attend our briefing afternoon session on the 15th of February at Twyford School, where expert speakers will provide an update on the political situation, finance, law, governance, ISBA resources, and frequently asked advice and guidance questions from schools. So if that sounds like you and you're interested, then please do have a look at the ISBA website to book your place. Looking at things that are more virtual, we have some webinars upcoming, and on the 23rd of January, we have one on school site security. 26th of January, options to unlock capital from your property assets to support financial future-proofing of your school's business. That sounds pretty useful. And 30th of January, an overview of SEND for independent schools. I shan't go into the February list because we're not there yet, but lots and lots to look forward to. As always, the safeguarding program continues. So you want to be a bursar continues and the online safer recruitment course as ever is there for you to make the most of. We do, however, have a new course that's running and that's on school transport and awareness readiness training. This is there to bring you up to date on all things around school transport and is taking place on the 11th of March 2024. So please have a look at Beverly Bell's website or head to the ISBA website to see that. And that'll be all from me. Thank you very much for making it to the end of this episode. As always, if you do enjoy these, please subscribe wherever it is you're listening to ensure you never miss an update. If you do find these particularly helpful, please share them with members of your team if you think they'll benefit also. If you'd like to get in touch for whatever reason, please email podcast at theisba.org.uk. And if the idea of this podcast ending all too soon is filling you with dread, fear not. Tomorrow we're back with a Friday Focus episode in which I'll be chatting to Kathy Denton, who is a leadership and business coach, all about that interesting relationship between bursa, head and governors. We talk all things leadership, all things relationships, all things building a better structure. So if that sounds interesting, make sure to tune in tomorrow for that. In the meantime, have a wonderful evening and farewell. <laughs>